You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. common Christmas conflict that you have? Maybe it's whose house you're going to go to for Christmas. Maybe it's who's going to make what food for Christmas. I would tell you one common conflict that me and my wife have around Christmas is when we're doing Christmas lights. My job is to climb up onto the roof and and put them up and my wife her task is to make sure all the Christmas lights work and she hands them to me in a certain order. And sometimes I get up there and I'm putting them on and sometimes the Christmas lights don't work and I don't always blow kisses to her in that moment and she doesn't always blow kisses back to me. And so we have a little bit of conflict sometimes when we're putting up the Christmas lights. Another thing that sometimes happens is my wife wants to know who ate the last Christmas cookie that she had fixed and she had in back of her mind that she was going to eat it and somehow it disappeared and and I get accused. Now in my defense there are three other young men that could have eaten the cookie but because I'm the fattest of the bunch I tend to get accused and sometimes we don't always blow kisses uh, when we're going back and forth about who ate the last Christmas cookie. I think around Christmas time, often we see that conflict happens, and sometimes conflict can even steal Christmas. We've been in a series called Christmas at the Movies, and today we're talking about the movie Home Alone. Some of you have watched it many times. It's about a little eight-year-old named Kevin who lives with with his wealthy family in Chicago. They have this large house, and for Christmas, they're taking a family vacation to Europe. But Kevin, he's a little mischievous, and he kind of gets on everyone's nerves, and, and I think maybe his family gets on his nerves. And he gets into trouble. He gets sent to his bedroom in the attic in the midst of him throwing a tantrum and Kevin tells his mother uh, who punished him that he hated her and he wished that he never would would have to see his family again. His family accidentally leaves for the trip without him and so for a while Kevin thinks man this is great. I don't have anyone to tell me what to do. I can eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. Uh, But then eventually he wishes that he had his family back. And and some of you can relate to Kevin's family. You have conflict in your family. You have conflict around this season. And and all you wish for is just some peace. Just some peace. Some peace and quiet. Your dream is to be home alone. Uh, Others of you, you you wish that you could just have some peace during this season more than anything else. Most people, they long for peace. Peace means different things to different people. Often when we're talking about peace, people will talk about peace treaties and times of peace or the absence of war. Uh, Peace can also refer to rest. Uh, It's defined by Webster's Dictionary as quiet or Oxford's dictionary is a state of being calm or quiet. 
Now, peace is also very important in the Bible. It refers not only the absence of conflict, but the presence of something. In the Old Testament, we see the Hebrew word shalom, and its basic meaning is complete or whole. And we see it also meaning it, uh, making restitution. For, for example, in Exodus chapter 22:4, if a man stole an ox or a sheep from his neighbor, he was to restore or shalom uh, that what he had taken under the law. In the book of Proverbs, we see that it means to reconcile or to heal a broken relationship. That's to bring shalom. It doesn't mean that people won't, won't fight, but you're working toward harmony. You're working toward getting along. In the New Testament, we see a Greek word that basically means unity. It's bringing multiple parts together to form a whole and to set it right again. For example, two friends who reconcile after a fight, they have unity. They come back together and their relationship is whole. Now, there are several different verses about peace uh, in the Bible, and a few of those that I want to mention is in Isaiah 9-6. It says, For a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Well, we see that peace is found in a person, that peace is found in Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. John 14, 27 says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus is our peace. We can have peace with God because of Jesus. Peace is a gift of God. Galatians 5.22, uh, peace is one of the fruits of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit working in our life. Psalm 34.14 says, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Uh, Colossians 3.15 says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And then Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of the fool belches out foolishness. It, we see from these verses that we must seek peace and make peace. And you can't give what you don't possess. If you don't have peace in your heart, it's going, to be have, it's going to be hard to have peace in your relationships. Our peace with God is reflected in our peace with others. We are called to peace, yet when you think about it, you see conflict throughout the Bible. If you have a pen right now, I want you to write down as many places that you see conflict in the Bible as you can remember. Here are just a few to kind of get you started. You start off in Genesis and you see Adam and Eve have a conflict. We know that once they faced some temptation and, and, and they ate that piece of fruit, what did Adam do? He blamed his wife. We know that Cain and Abel had conflict. We know Abraham and Lot had conflict. Jacob and Esau, Jacob and Lebanon, Saul and David, Joseph and his brothers, Moses and Pharaoh. 
David and Goliath, Elijah and the false prophets, Paul and Peter, Paul and Barnabas, Jesus and the religious leaders, uh, Jesus and Peter. If you go throughout the Bible, you will see conflict over and over again. And, and that's one of the things I love about the Bible. The, the Bible doesn't hide from conflict. It doesn't hide from the messiness of relationships. And conflict is hard and messy at times. And, and this got me to thinking, what causes most of the conflicts in our life? Well, there's probably several reasons, but here are just a few. Often, conflict happens because of poor communication. Well, we're not always the best communicators in the world. Sometimes it happens because of ignorance. I know that there's been times that I've hurt my wife's feelings or hurt other people's feelings because I just didn't realize what I was doing, how it hurt them, or what I said, how it hurt them. Sometimes we see conflict because of a desire for power. We've seen power struggles cause a lot of conflict. Sometimes conflict happens because we make assumptions. I know I've done that many times. Sometimes conflict is caused because of selfishness. And sometimes it's caused because of pride. In James chapter 4, starting at verse 1, says, what is, causing, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desire at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you don't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you, you want because you don't ask God for it. In Home Alone, there's this little scene about conflict. It's about six minutes in the movie, and basically you see this old man named Marley. They call him Old Man Marley. He's been falsely accused of being labeled as a murderer, and he's kind of a loner. He ends up in church with Kevin as Old Man Marley is watching his granddaughter sing in the choir. And Kevin shows up next to him. He's a little scared. And they have this dialogue where they go back and forth. And old, old man Marley talks to Kevin. And he says, hey, next time you see me, you better say hi. He's like, I know there's a lot of rumors out there about me, but they're not true. So I expect you to speak to me. Well, as they continue this dialogue, they go back and forth. And Kevin finds out that old man Marley is there to see his granddaughter sing, but he doesn't ever get to see his granddaughter because old man Marley and his son had a conflict. They had exchanged some words that he hadn't talked in years. And from this little boy, Kevin, he encourages him, hey, you should call your son. You, 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 should, you should call your son. And, and, and old man Marley kind of resists. And Kevin says, well, it sounds like you're, you're scared. And he said, you're, you're a little old to be, be afraid, aren't you? And, and then Kevin goes on. And he says, well, I'm, I'm scared of the basement. Uh, I'm scared to go to the basement in the dark. But he said, then I turn on the light and everything's okay. He says, you should call your son. I, I know that I would want to talk to my dad, especially in the holidays. And I'm sure your granddaughter wants to see you. As I saw that scene, it was very touching. And I think some of us can relate. Some of you, maybe there's some people that you haven't talked to in years. And 
And all it would take would be to pick up the phone and make a call or a text or reaching out. I, I think there's several different ways that when we start talking about resolving conflict, some things that we can do that are very practical. First of all, I think we need to communicate. We need to have hard conversations. I, I think sometimes we're afraid of what the other person will say or what they'll think. But we need to face our fear. Just like old man Marley was encouraged to do, was to face his fear and to call his son. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 21 lays out steps to deal with when we are facing conflict with those who have sinned against us, a, another Christian brother. It basically says go alone and, and talk directly to that person. And then if that doesn't work, then bring two or three others and then uh, take it to the church. And then if you need to, uh, in rare cases, that was what I found, is sometimes you have to break away from the relationship. But most of the time, if we would just uh, start off by going alone and talking to the person, most conflict can be resolved that way. We need to talk to the person and not about the person. Let me say that again. We need to talk to the person and not about the person. Well, we're great about talking about others, but we're not always great about actually going and talking to the person we have conflict with. Secondly, I wanna encourage you to actively listen Listen to what the other person is saying without interrupting. And then ask open-ended questions. Make sure that you understand where that person's coming from. Manage your mouth and your emotions. I know sometimes that can be challenging in the midst of conflict. James 1.19 says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Proverbs 14.29 says, People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. And so we not only want to communicate, but we want to actively listen. We want to manage our emotions. And, and, and then, this may be hard for some of you, but we want to forgive. We, we, we need to forgive others. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And I found that forgiveness is an ongoing process. And sometimes you can say, yes, I forgive you and you move on, but sometimes we have wounds and sometimes those take a while to heal. I wanna encourage you to not be easily offended. Don't sweat the small stuff, overlook minor offenses. It's okay to let things go. You're not weak by doing this. And then lastly, look for a solution. Look for a win-win. Look for ways that you can uh, work through this conflict. And in some cases, you may need to put boundaries up. Maybe that person isn't involved in your life as much as what they were before. So let me just give you a few next steps, some things that I want you to consider this week. Take steps to resolve conflict with anyone you have. Take steps, that you, take steps to resolve the conflict that you might have with someone this week. I want, you, I want to encourage you to seek peace with God. I also want to encourage you to ask forgiveness from someone. If there's someone that you've offended and you know so, then humbly come before them and ask for forgiveness. And then also, on the other side, will you forgive someone that has hurt you with no strings attached? You know, life is too short to fight and argue. So let's forgive and let go. Tomorrow is not guaranteed.